What's up, Irish fans? Locked on Irish podcast coming your way right now for your Tuesday edition. I'm Greg Schaefer, your lead host. Pumped to be with you guys. Tuesday's always the hardest day to get over anyway. I don't know what it is. Wednesday, I always feel like I'm like, you know, hump day, whatever, played out joke. But I always feel like I can I can see that light. You can kind of feel it. But Monday's really busy. You come in really motivated. and But Tuesday, it's like you're still staring at the, the, at the top of the mountain. There's still a long way to go. But never fear. The Locked on Irish podcast is here for you. We're always here for you daily. The official Notre Dame podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. As I said, big show today. Just got to pick up the pieces and get right back at it for the Irish basketball team. Going to be at it tomorrow against NC State. So today, I will be out for the Wednesday show. And since I am apparently the Locked On Irish basketball aficionado, uh, we're going to do the uh, NC State preview today. And uh, also today... We're going to be bringing in uh, your favorite co-host and mine, Mark Hissom. We'll uh, just going to talk about his experience. I think he, uh, he was. Uh, I know he was at the Camping World Bowl, and you guys probably seen him on the uh, the Twitter page giving some live reports. We're just going to talk about his experience and what it was like going to his first bowl game, and uh, just everything, the atmosphere. Just talk about the game, his impression of the team and uh, what he thought about the win and the atmosphere, just a little bit of everything about that trip. And we'll get into some other topics with him in the second and third segments of the show today. And uh, him and uh, your other favorite co-host and mine, uh, Will Havanis, they're going to be carrying the show tomorrow, and God knows what what they're getting into. It's like leaving the kids at home by themselves for the very first time, and it's like, just don't don't burn the place down. I mean, they've done it once. It, you did it once. You did good. You didn't throw a big party that I know of. Everything... Everything seemed pretty cleaned up, and everything looked all nice and tidy around the house. So, eh, I guess we'll trust them alone one more time, right? Or at least once. I hope they do well. <laughs> so, got the Wolfpack up next, and got to thinking about this game and how on Saturday, after that win against Syracuse, it kind of felt like, whew, did, yeah, we finally got one. Maybe we weren't supposed to. It felt good, right? Beating Syracuse. And it's just the grind of college basketball. And it's the grind of the ACC that, yeah, three days later, not even a week later, you got to go to Raleigh and you got to play NC State. Now, is this North Carolina? No. But as we're going to talk about here in a little bit, this is an experienced basketball team. And it just, you know, you could beat Duke and North Carolina on back-to-back nights, but if you have a rough two weeks after that, you're out of the tournament. I mean, it's just... You can't rest on your accomplishments. You can't fall in love with your own success too often in this in in college basketball. You know, you win a conference tournament. Okay, cool. We get about uh, what five or six days. But the turnaround and as many games as they play, I know after Saturday, I really felt like we kind of got got off the schneid a little bit. Got one we weren't supposed to. I, I predicted we'd lose that game, even though I I really felt like. Uh, early on in the season, I predicted we were going to lose that game. I know I picked them to win it. But, uh, you know, after we got the win, and I felt like, all right, this was very liberating, you know, and just knowing we got this one. But then it's like, ah, you know, Wednesday, we got to turn it around and go to NC State. And as I said, this team, this team is no slouch. 24-12 uh, and 12 last season. Uh, started last season at 13-1. and one, And just kind of fell on tough times down the stretch. They made it to the third round of the NIT. They finished the season at 11-11. and 11. Just not a very good stretch to finish the year off there. Now they are ten and four this year. They're one and two in ACC play. They got losses to Georgia Tech, Auburn, which that Auburn loss, you know, 
I mean, nobody's been able to beat Auburn so far, so you kind of give them that one. Memphis, you kind of give them that one, and then Clemson. Uh, I, I don't know. The Clemson and Georgia Tech losses are real head-scratchers because I thought, with especially after doing some more research about this NC State team, this is a really experienced team, as I'm going to talk about, as I've talked about like three times now, but I'll get to it, I promise. But, uh, yeah, you know, Georgia Tech and, and Clemson are 7-7 seven and seven squads, not traditionally great basketball teams. And NC State can score the ball. So it's really interesting. I'd really love to go back and rewatch those games uh, in a little more detail and take some more notes as far as watching it and just seeing where things kind of went wrong. Uh, as I said, you know, they, they're scoring a lot of points a game. They're 28th in the country in scoring, 80.2 points per game. They don't shoot terrible from the field. They're 47% from the field. That's good enough for 48th in the country. And they're relatively deep. They, they run an eight-man rotation. Uh, eight, eight of their guys have played in a minimum of 12 games this year and all have averaged 18 minutes or above. So the eight guys they play are playing. Um, they, they also kind of get those momentum plays. And what I mean by that is they got 113 steals on the season, 67 blocks. Now, albeit my guy here, uh, Manny Bates, has 45 of those blocks, but still he's on the team and he's got all the – I mean, it all equals out at the end of the day. It doesn't matter who's getting them. 67 blocks is a lot of blocks. I think that's good enough. I'm not even going to lie. I looked it up before the show. He's sixth in the country in blocks per game, and then he's eighth in the country in blocks overall. I mean, he's he's a presence in there. I mean, so let's just start with him since we're talking about him right now. Yeah, six foot 11, 221 pounds. He's a four-star recruit. He, do, he doesn't have a score yet. He hasn't really fine-tuned that part of his game. But as a redshirt freshman, you know, he's still kind of learning, still kind of learning to use his size uh, at this level, if you will. Uh, only averaging about six points a game and not huge on the boards either, 4.4 uh, rebounds per game. So, you know, he is a body in there, and it looks like he does more on the defensive side as far as being aggressive and getting those blocks as opposed to really being aggressive and coming down with the ball. And this is where Durham's going to come in. This is where John Mooney's going to have to come in and be physical be the more physical presence, and just be the better basketball players uh, tomorrow night. Uh, I guess we'll stay in the front court here. Uh, Jericho Helms, 6'7", 198-pound sophomore. Uh, now their back court, or their front court, is pretty young, freshman and sophomore, as I just said. Uh, Helms averages 10.4 points a game, and he, he's also a four-star recruit when he came out of uh, high school. So y you have some talent there. And this is what's so shocking. As I talk here, you're going to see what I mean. I mean, it, it's really kind of interesting that this team isn't any better than this. And here's what I was talking about with the experience. Their backcourt has 247 starts amongst them. 247 starts. Uh, led by C.J. Bryce, six foot five, 195-pound senior. Uh, one of their guards. They do run a three-guard three, uh, three guard offense, uh, averaging 16.1 points per game, obviously leads the team. It's a, a hell of an average. Uh, also leads the team in rebounds with 6.8. So he's a guard, a big guard at 6.5, and he's also not afraid to get his nose dirty, clearly, at leading the team in rebounds. Uh, played in 116 games so far and uh, started at 108 uh, of those 116 games. So a really talented kid. He was actually at UNC Wilmington before transferring to NC State a couple years ago. Uh, this season, he's got double, scored in double figures in all games outside of two of them. Uh, he's going to be matched up with uh, Markel Johnson, 
175 senior. So you got a lot of experience in this backcourt. And, and, you know, with talented young guys in the front and as much experience as they have in the back, I'm just really, really shocked that, uh, you know, the team isn't any more dominant. I mean, okay, they're, they're pretty good, 10 and 4, but they have some questionable losses. They do have a very big win over Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, they beat them down when they got a chance to play Wisconsin. And, you know, Wisconsin's no world beater, but they've been able to beat Ohio State, and that's definitely saying something right now. But uh, back to the lineup here uh, as I segue way off schedule. Uh, Markel Johnson, uh, he started in 70 games, 12.9 uh, points per game, five rebounds. Uh, leads the team with 6.8 assists. So he's going to be the one to distribute the ball around. I mean, do we put Fluger on him? I, mean, I think very likely you're going to put Gibbs on him, and then probably Bryce will be matched up against Fluger. But the way he distributes the ball around, we're going to need a strong defensive presence to to kick the ball out of his hands and not go to an open shooter. And I think when you've got a guy that assists this well, you're going to have to really be – you're going to mind your P's and Q's everywhere. And this goes for every game. But you're going to have to play lockdown defense everywhere because clearly he doesn't mind kicking it out and you know letting his letting his buddies make a play. Now on the flip side of that where 6.8 assists, yes, that's great, but he's also turning the ball over almost four times a game. So maybe that's something we could take advantage of and maybe Gibbs, maybe Hub can get in there, take advantage of of some loose ball carrying at certain times. And then it leads me to Braxton Beverly, 6 foot, 180 pounds junior guard, 8.1 points per game. Uh, he's in his 70th start. Uh, shoots 39% from three. So another guy we're going to have to really keep our eyes on from behind the arc. And, and just, again, just that experience and finding ways to get open. So let's take a look at the at the Wolfpack bench right after this. All right, guys, Locked On Irish Podcast back at it. We will get Mr. Hissom on the phone here in just a couple minutes, but we want to finish up this NC State preview uh, they have nice guys coming off the bench. I mean, not even going to lie. They, these guys are, they're tough. They're going to challenge us. Starts with Devin Daniels, six foot five, 200 pound junior. Uh, he's a guard as well. You can see a trend here. They, they don't, they're not a huge lineup, but started the last three games, scored 18, 18 and 11 in his last three games. So, uh, you know, we've got a guy coming off the bench and being able to get that bench productivity you can't, that's second to none. It's one thing to send a guy in off the bench, give your starter a spell, but if that guy comes off the bench and can also just give your team a burst, I mean, that, that that's that's a challenge. It's a challenge to overcome. And, I mean, look no further than the next guy I'm going to talk about here, uh, DJ Funderburk, 6'10", 210-pound forward, 11.9 points per game. He has not started one game this year, Okay. Not started a game, but he's averaging 21 minutes, and he's had at least 12 points in his last four games. So you got a guy who's coming off the bench averaging 11.9, basically 12 points a game is what you're getting out of this guy. It scored 12 in his last four games. It's going to be a challenge tomorrow night. Tomorrow night's going to be a challenge. Now, they don't shoot very well from three. Um, so if we would happen to get into another firefight and we're the ones with the fire again, I have confidence that we can pull this out. Uh, last guy I'm going to talk about, speaking of threes, Pat Andre. He's 6'5", um, 7.1 points per game forward. He is literally there to shoot three-pointers. Shoots 39% from three. 75 of his 100 points this season have become from behind the arc. So there you go. That just tells you right there what he's on the team for. 
but he's a physical player. He's 6'5", 225. Physical player, can shoot from distance. Um, I don't like this matchup. I, I, I didn't like the going on the road to Syracuse. It's a tough place to win. I don't think we can do it twice in a row on this quick of a turnaround. Uh, I, I also see a little bit of looking ahead. I'm actually more confident against Louisville at home than I am in this one. I'm unfortunately, ta- I know, I'll take the heat, but I'm taking the Wolfpack in this one. Uh, we're going to probably be, ugh, what are we going to say? I'd say 77 to 70. They average 80 points a game. I think we can get to 70. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I like the Wolfpack. Prove me wrong, guys. Prove me wrong, Irish. You know we're pulling for you, but I, I just see too many matchup nightmares in there and the experience and the continuity of this team. Now, I will say it's going to say a lot for us if we can come back off of the Syracuse win, build on that, and beat a team with this much experience. So I'm going to take a quick pause here. to, And you're not even going to notice I've went anywhere. I'm going to just pause the recording, and then we're going to get your favorite co-host and mine, Mark Hissom, on the line, and we're going to talk to him a little bit about Iowa State and uh, just the game itself and being in his first bowl game and things like that. All right, we got him on the line here. Mr. Hissom, what's up, buddy? How you doing, man? Glad to have hey. you back. Oh, I'm doing great, man. Glad to be back. Absolutely. So you got to experience all the magic that was the Camping World Bowl down in Orlando. How was your trip? Uh, it was a good trip. Uh, the rain followed us the entire way, so a little bit of sunshine during the game, so that was good. Tell me about your first experience going to a bowl game, because I've never been to a bowl game, and this was your first one. What was it like, the difference between a bowl game uh, and, and you know a regular season game? Yeah, it was kind of odd, to be honest with you. Um I mean, the stadium was basically split in half. So, you know, from the middle of one end zone to the middle of the other end zone on the other side was all Iowa State. And then the opposite side where I was sitting was all Notre Dame. So it was definitely kind of strange to see the entire stadium that you're looking at the other team. Yeah, so it's kind of like almost like a big high school game, more or less. Yeah, pretty much. Um, The atmosphere was kind of laid back. Um, You know, no one was really, like, into the game. and I, I mean, maybe that's because of where I was sitting. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm sure when you're sitting closer to the, to the students and to the band and stuff, it was probably a little bit more uh, rambunctious. But where I was sitting, which was right on about the 30 yard line, yeah, um, it was pretty, pretty uh, tame. Was it? Uh, was it, they tried to say it was sold out, but it looked like the upper bowl was pretty empty. Oh yeah, there was like. I don't know what it was like on my side. On the other side, it was it was uh, like an old Cleveland Browns game <laughs> back in the day. Oh, man. So, obviously, we came away with the win. It was a nice win. Uh, is there anything you've seen in person that really impressed you about the performance? On You know, I mean, none of us were stoked about the opponent. It's the Camping World Bowl. But is there anything that stuck out to you that really impressed you in that win? Yeah, actually, a couple of things. Um, the defense looked great. Um, offense, not so much, you know, because it looked like the same play calls. That's why I, I, I'm pretty sure I tweeted or texted during that. Thing. I was like, I think Tommy Reese has been calling plays all year. Yeah. Uh, cause there was not much difference. You know, it's like, it was a huge surprise when Cole Komet got his first reception. Everybody's like, that's his first catch. I mean, it yeah. was ridiculous, but I mean, the defense looked great. Uh, Gilman played a great game. Uh, he, he was flying all over the field, which you can really tell, um, by not watching it on TV. And then, um, I mean, I'm telling you, man, the defense just looked so fast. Well, and, um, I, and I guess you really can't get that on TV. Um, it's been a while since I kind of really sat back and just relaxed and watched the game. But 
Yeah, and l- luckily, was fast. yeah, luckily that we you know we played so well that we actually could because I never felt threatened in that game. Not at any point in time that I feel like oh you know that we were going to lose. I I did feel a couple times that we could have let them back in it, but like you said, the defense really shut them down. And after doing a little extensive research on. on Iowa State and just how high-powered that passing game was. I'm thoroughly impressed. I've said it probably 10 times in the last week with how uh, we we didn't let them in the end zone. Nobody's done that this year. No, I know. And I kind of felt, you know, before the game, I was like, ah, man, it's Iowa State. Who cares? It's not that big of a deal. Just get a win and get out of here. Right. Um, but after watching the game, you're like, holy cow, man, they really shut them down. And I will tell you this, the Iowa State fans, because I parked downtown Orlando and took a shuttle. Um, just because there's so much construction around the stadium, it was so hard to find a place to park. So we took a, uh, a shuttle from downtown, which is like a five, 10 minute ride. But I was probably one of 10 Notre Dame people on that bus and um, coming back uh-huh. uh, from the game. And the Iowa State fans were in shock that their team looked as bad as it did. And they all said, it's like Notre Dame's defense is legit. Like they could not believe that their offense could not get anything going. And they gave uh, complete credit to Notre Dame. They didn't weren't blaming them on play calling or coaching. It was just all about Notre Dame's defense. Well, and if it, if that game finishes 33-16, I'm not, I'm not happy. If it finishes, hell, if it finished 56-28, I'm not as happy. But there's something about just keeping them out of the end zone that just I, – I, I can't wait till next season already. I, I mean, we have so much coming back on defense. I know Gilman's leaving – made it official, but, I mean, with Hamilton and Pryor back there and, you know, Houston Griffiths probably – I mean, he's going to step his game up. I I think the defense is going to come back stronger than ever. Yeah, I hope so too. And I, I do agree. Um, I mean, you know how I am. Ex- I was stoked about the defense this year. and Everyone kind of laughed at me at the beginning of the season, but they've proven uh, – I think I've been proven a little correct that uh, they were going to be a pretty good D this year. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Aquara being hurt didn't help much, things very much. And then – Losing Dalen Hayes, but the way Jameer Jones stepped up, I know I don't agree with him being put out on. There was one time he was matched up. Somehow he dropped in coverage and got put against Iowa State's best wide receiver. So I don't know how that got mixed up. But other than that, I, <laughs> I mean, catch it. Uh, Clark Lee's defense, I mean, he has really proven to be one of the young studs in, as far as coordinators and probably going to be up for a head coaching job at some point, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, again, let's talk about the play calling. Um, I I was not. I'm gonna say I was sold on Tommy Reese, but you know, I was like, ah, maybe the guy can do it. You know, I don't think so. Uh, he's not ready. Definitely not ready. So I agree. hopefully Notre Dame, uh, you know, spend some money and, and hire some talent. So where my head's at right now is I think that because the because if it was a done deal, because I thought it was, but it. Since it hasn't been named yet, I have hope that it's not going to be Tommy. I, I feel like if he had his mind made up and there's nothing anybody could do about it, he just named him after the win. Don't you think yeah, so? I mean, if he was auditioning for the job, he didn't do a very very good job. Yeah, I agree. The, the running game still couldn't really get going. I mean, I know Tony Jones had the one long run, and that was great. He put it on a little beast mode toward the end, get the, the nice stiff arm. But I still, we just still could not get a decent running game going. And, and I just didn't feel any creativity. I know uh, Braden Lindsay only was targeted something like three times. Uh, he had five right. touches. I was saying, nothing was nothing was different. Nothing stood out you no. know, from the stance. Of course, you can't, you don't get to see a lot of the replays, which I'm, they pop them up on the screen. But you know how it is at a stadium. It's usually, it's too late. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're, and you're exactly. you know you're already looking at who's going in for the next play, and it's just yeah. Plus the rain. I'm telling you that um, Tony Jones's run came right after a little bit of a downpour, so it was like you know we weren't actually sitting in our seats when that happened. So I, I got to see the tail end of it. And I was running out when everybody was screaming, but yeah. Uh, in the stadium down there is actually pretty neat. They have um, kind of like where their club section is. It's open air uh, for the most part. And I do have a middle por- portion where it's all closed off, but the club seats we were sitting in were open air. So they had couches and stuff everywhere, TVs everywhere. It was it was actually a pretty neat stadium. Nice, nice. Well, we'll elaborate on that a little bit and some news around the team and around college football right after this. All right, back at it. Third segment, Locked on Irish podcast. Greg Schaefer here, Mark Hissom also here. So we just got done talking about play calling, and it's interesting that – so two things. One, Cole Komet finally declared going pro and seen that coming despite the fact he said he was coming back. What's your thoughts on him uh, finally declaring to go? I mean, he had to. I mean, he had to. I mean, they're calling him the – he's the number one projected tight end this next year so yeah i agree and and i know his grades only came back as a second but with he's not promised anything by coming back in fact he might be promised less with michael Mayer coming in and he looked like a freak in his all-star game over the weekend i got and then you look at the guy like tommy tremble who's kind of a tweener with his size um and you know brock wright's still sitting there and that's not to say brock wright's really done anything to show he's the next cole Komet. But then again, also, I've always I've been talking about the physicality of the tight end position, and all it's going to take is one bad play here or there, and he goes from the number one tight end, second-round draft pick to maybe nothing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just not worth it. I agree. I hate to say that, but no, I mean, I mean it, it is his... And that's kind of the nature. Yeah. And, you know, with the way contracts are, this isn't baseball. We're not getting Bobby Bonilla contracts where you sign the dotted line, you get every dime. No, these guys aren't getting, you know, a lot of that contract. And and once, and none of them are guaranteed. So once they go, you got to get what you can get. And the goal is always to make it to that second contract. Yeah. um, Yes, I agree. I was just thinking ahead there about the Michael Meyer. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Woo. I talked about him yesterday, and my goodness, with what we have coming back, I mean, Brock Wright being a very nice blocking tight end, and then you have, you could essentially line up Trimble and Mayer out there, and it's going to be a nightmare matchup for people. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, I don't think, I think he's going to get Richard. He has to. You think so? I think now Komet's gone. I mean, There's no way. I don't know. I mean, he's he is playing ahead of his age right now but oh, man, I don't i'll know. tell you what i think it makes, it makes me nervous i know everybody's all just high and everything else on the next walter payton coming in chris tyree but i don't think tyree's ready he's got speed but he's only 175 pounds and they're gonna have to find ways to get him the ball in space i think mayor's way more wet ready to go than tyree is are either one of those guys coming in early i don't think they are uh tyree is is he? Well, he'll probably gain about 15 pounds by next year. Yeah, you hope so because there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders to be the guy. I mean, he has the speed, and he's got to make sure that he puts the weight on right and, and make sure he doesn't lose any speed because that's his biggest attribute right now is just how blazing fast he is. Yeah, I saw uh, a couple of th- things he did. Um... I forget what it was, but every time he did it, he was the fastest guy that yeah. did it. So. Well, he won the skills Definitely competition. the fastest guy in uh... – 
Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There was two drills. I, I can't remember the name of them, but it was like he came up on as the fastest guy on both of them. So you're like, oh, my God. Now, I did find interesting today. It looked like um, uh, Joe Moorhead, is, you know, obviously he's got been fired from Mississippi State. That happened over the weekend, and there's a little bit of rumbling about him, uh, people wanting to kick the tires on him as an offensive coordinator, which I think would be a great move and would also continue Tommy Ree's development into whatever he's going to be. Um, uh, any thoughts on Joe uh, Moorhead at all? Uh, no, not really. But going back to Tommy Reese, um, I think Tommy Reese, he's got to go somewhere else. He's got to go somewhere else and, and work his way up. He's there's no way he can sit on the sidelines at Notre Dame and work his way yeah. there. Yeah. He's got to go somewhere else. I, I don't disagree. You know, we've never seen it done before. You always see a guy leave, come back and then, and then get the job that he wants. I mean, he has to, you know, even if it's, you know, like a Toledo. Go to Toledo, be the OC, show what you can do. You know, you don't have to win every game as an OC. Just show that your offense is effective. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you definitely got to show, you know, your growth outside of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Absolutely. But no, I don't know enough about the about – the, more to, to weigh in on the only like thing that. I have reservations about Moorhead on is he walked into a situation with Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley. And is it an Adam Gase walks into Peyton Manning situation where it's like, yeah, me and you could have that job and look good or, right. or is he just that good? I know they hated him at Mississippi state, but it seemed like a, it seemed more like a conflict of personalities than anything. Um, not necessarily his coaching style. But I tell you what, the name is, yeah. if it came down to it, Moorhead or Reese, I'm taking Moorhead all day right now. It's a seasoned veteran coach with an offensive uh, coordinator pedigree, 100% taking that guy all day. And there's a lot of Ohio State fans that actually like Moorhead. And with their success, I mean, I know we're not Buckeye fans by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, with their success and them wanting him, that tells me we should want him too. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, again, with Tommy, I mean, he's – you know, he's a young guy. He's got to go and get his, he's got, he's got, he's got to earn his stripes without guys his own age. Like right now, he's probably still one of the guys. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, he's the respect. I know they, they probably respect him. He is, he did a good job in Notre Dame. He's done well um, coaching. So he, I'm there. I'm sure there's a level of respect, but he's still one of those young guys. He's just like another one of the players. Yeah, no, no doubt. No, expect you know he did what he finished up in third, fourteen, thirteen, and so it's like that wasn't all that long ago. No, was, exactly. I, I'm surprised you're not all over this. I'm sure he's had a few beers with some of these guys. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not all over this Moorhead thing. I just found out he's from Pittsburgh. You know, Man, he... <laughs> I wish I, I wish I was. Uh, you're busy. I know you're busy, but man, five kids busy is busy. Oh, come on. You got this. You've got oh. this. I know. I wondered why I didn't hear from you that much. I was like, I think he's dead. I'm pretty sure he's dead or he quit. <laughs> yeah. I thought about it a couple of times, but uh, be, no, be... it was, it was a good trip, man. This kid's a they'll just wear you out oh i can imagine that's why i didn't even try the day before the uh the uh the camping world bowl i was like you know what forget it this year i i said well we'll get some correspondence out there and i was like nope not with that tribe <laughs> no nah, man we were at the oh, where the hell were we we were at the uh kennedy space center down there so it was like the phone did not work on nasa's property. oh no doubt i'll tell you that so yeah. uh, for fans out there, Camping World Bowl ever comes back up, Citrus uh, Citrus Bowl, anything like that, would you recommend the trip to that stadium and checking it out? 
Yeah, I'll tell you what, if I'd have been down there for the, the Alabama Michigan game, I would have won again because you could actually get tickets for like nine dollars a day of the game. No kidding. I've yeah, heard it that. was ridiculous. I've heard there that. There were so many open seats. Yeah. I mean, you could sit wherever. I mean, you'd be sitting up in the in nosebleeds, but who cares? Yeah, who cares? Nine bucks, at, can't beat it. You're at a bowl game. You're Parking having a... was – it's definitely not an NFL game. Parking, I think, was 10 bucks. Oh, wow. Uh, free free shuttle. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I would definitely do it. So, uh, real quick, before we get out of here, I do want to bring up one thing announced yesterday. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa did uh, announce he's going pro. A lot of people thought he actually might come back. Did you see any doubt in him going ahead and going pro? Man, I don't know. He, he had to listen to what his doctors tell him. You know, I mean, he's got to go with what they're telling him. If they're telling him he's going to be ready, you got to go. If yeah. they're saying, hey, man, you're, you're not going to be ready, you know, for another six months later than you think then he comes back, but no, he's gone. Yeah. I, I, I just think there's no way with his ankles. And now this was a pretty significant injury and he's still getting first round grades. You got to go because it's just going to, all you're doing is if you are prone to injury, which if he is, or he, is, he may go to the NFL, have a great career, never have another injury again. We don't know. But as of right now, what it looks like is you're relatively ouchy. So when, Next year, all you can do, in my opinion, is hurt your draft stock. There's no way he couldn't leave. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's the same thing with Komet. I mean, you, just, you can't take the chance. You no. got the money now, you got to take it. Exactly, and especially since he's still – you know, I know Burrow's done when he's done, and he'll probably be the first quarterback off the board. And then after that, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be Fromm or if it will be Tua. I know Jordan Love, believe it or not, out of Utah State's getting like top 15, top 10 grades. There's a lot of people that like love right now better than they like Tua, which is insane. But you know, people find yeah, I'm something. I'm not going to weigh in on what I think about quarterbacks. I haven't done very well with. Oh, you mean Mason Rudolph's else. not? Uh, is he not winning the MVP? <laughs> He's not winning the MVP yeah. this year. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Shoot. I can't believe it. That's crazy. All right, let's do this thing. Getting out of here on a Tuesday edition. Tomorrow, Mark Hissom, Will Havanis will be carrying the torch. Make sure you're following us, Locked On Irish, on Facebook on Twitter and Spotify, iTunes, all the usual suspects. Whatever app you're listening to right now, just stick with that one. So until next time, go Irish.